give witness to that. He's coming back for me. Personally, he's coming back for me. He's not coming back for just the church. I believe he is, but it needs to be personal. It needs to be a personal identification. Thank you to the musicians. I'll invite you to turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. It's good to meditate on the things that God has done. I believe they are becoming more real to us. And we can talk about seven angels and the events in the time of Brother Branham, but those events are still unfolding, and they are becoming more personal to every one of us. And, and as we listen to the tape on, on Wednesday, how many enjoyed the tape? There's something so assuring about the voice that we are under. That is what God sent us, so there's something so assuring. But I, I would just say, reflect on these things, meditate. In a busy world, these things are meant for our benefit. Hebrews chapter 10, let's just read from verse 1. For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. And for then would they not have ceased to be offered, because the worshiper, worshipers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Now think about this, the, the, the believers that were there. They were human beings like you and I. And just appreciate where we're standing in time. But they would come God's provided way. And that was in the time of bulls and goats. They would be sincere. They would offer a lamb. The priest would take that lamb. And they would go and they would do what God said. And the minute they left, they went out knowing they would be back next year. Because their heart was not changed. Their desires would not change. The blood of bulls and goats couldn't do it. But we're not under that covenant today. And you can come under the covenant of Jesus Christ and you can leave with something greater than what they had. How many are thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ? Let's read from verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not, but a body hast thou prepared me. 
In burnt offerings and sacrifices, for sin thou hast no pleasure. Now I'm going to just focus on verse 7 here, and I, I want, I'll come back to this. Then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. So under this sacrifice, there was also going to be something that was opened that the believer could identify with. They, they would see themselves in the covenant. They would see that it was not going to be God against them, but God for them. So, so then they would say, Lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will. And above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offerings for sin thou wouldst not, neither hast pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. Now by that will, the same will that we say, I come to do your will, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Verse 15, wherefore the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. God bless his word. You may have your seats. I will read also in Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. And I will just read um, from verse 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son, into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. One of the greatest parts of the message and the revelation that we are under and what God has opened our eyes to in this time is even a simple little truth like here. And the prophet would declare and say that because we were seed, therefore we could be reborn. And it was not that we became seed by the rebirth, but because we were seed, therefore we could be reborn. Oh, that puts it back in the hands of God. That doesn't put it back on what I could do. And what I am I'm, I'm capable of, but it's what God has already done. Because before the foundation of the world, 
a lamb was slain already in the mind of God. Now, it, it, it was a parallel back then, but it's working its way out right to the age, right to the time, right to the individual that we're living in. But God would have names and attributes, sons and daughters that he had in his mind, and he would see them, and he would see that they would be lost. He would see the deceitfulness of Satan. He would see the sin, and he'd say, I'm going to die for them right now. And so in his mind, he died. And when he, he was the lamb slain, and Jesus came, and when he saw his place in the book, perfect faith, Jesus lived knowing what was written of him to do. And he followed that, and when he followed that, it led him to Calvary. Now I'm, I'm jumping ahead, but let's just go at this. I took the last couple of services and uh, sometimes you look for a continuity and you think you're going somewhere and, and you say, well, I'll just preach part one, part two. But really, I'm, I'm following what the Lord would have. So it's not me that's in control. It's him that's in control. It's your prayers that make a difference. So we thank the Lord. But we spoke on a, a little bit on the evolution of the Spirit. And that's talking where sin came into the picture. Satan in the beginning how that, that little iniquity that was up there in heaven would manifest in, in Lucifer, the morning star, but it would manifest into Satan, and, and it would manifest into an agenda, a tale that would be tale, told, and it would draw a third part of the angels, would be cast down to heaven, and that battle has come to human beings ever since. It's come to our minds. So that was the evolution of Satan in the beginning. And then last week as we took a little bit on the thief comes not to, but to steal, but to kill and to destroy. And, and how he'll just work his way in and worm his way in into anything. But I believe God is ahead of Satan all the time. And we, we, we're seeing his tactics. We're understanding it better. I'm going to take just for about 15 minutes... I want to take a little bit of a broader picture to bring it down to where I want to go. So turn with me to Matthew 13. Matthew 13, and it's, um, sometimes we hear things so often, we, we, we don't see it happening around us, but I, I, we, we, we literally are seeing scriptures come to life in the day we live in. There, this is what's called the harvest time. And even it's the harvest time of what Jesus spoke. It's the harvest time of the end of the world. It's the harvest time for Israel. It's the harvest time for the Gentile age. It's the harvest time of Satan's Eden. It is the coming together of everything. It is what the Bible called the fullness of times. Now, Jesus would give this parable in Matthew 13, and he would speak starting in verse 24, and say another parable put he forth to them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field, and while the enemy slept, while the men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way, and when the blade was sprung up and brought forth, then appeared the tares also. 
So the servants of the householder came and said to him, Sir, didst thou not sow good seed in the field? From whence then hath it tares? And he said to him, An enemy has done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? And he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let, them, let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather together first the tares. Bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, we can, we can see a lot of what is there, but in the time that he was saying this to the disciples, they had very little knowledge of what he was telling them. And so in, in, verse, 37, in verse 36, when he sent the multitude away, the disciples said, Declare unto this parable of the tares of the field. And he said, he that sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. And the reapers are the angels. Now you can take that a number of different ways. And, and every scripture has compound meaning, but that there, there have been reapers that God has sent. There's been angels to every age that he has sent, seven angels, but he is also sending, sending spirits that's gathering. I, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about how there's an assimilation that's happening in the world where uh, things are blending together. As I, I've been looking a little bit into some of the things technology-wise, artificial intelligence and, and different things, they were, they were sharing in, in the one documentary that I have that when you went to school, university, let's say, and you took science, well, you'd go to a science class and there was the masters of science, the professors that would teach it. There was different buildings. If, if you went to philosophy or arts, well, you went to different buildings, and it was separate. It was governed by, you know, its realm. And then if you'd go into, uh, you know, something else that you would do, education or arts, again, there was separate buildings. And so there's always been a separation of all these disciplines. And even in the scientific world that has been out there, when, when we start to go beyond physical but into the digital world, the internet world, and they're, they're quite alarmed because under artificial intelligence there are no rules governing separation. And I believe it was in 2019 or 2017 somewhere, these disciplines that kept all of these things separate and where there was a, a, a supervisory element over it, they, they took down all these walls and they blended them all together 
So now somebody who is going into an art, and it's being put in the hands of machines, somebody who's going into an artificial intelligence and is drawing on something for economic gain, is drawing on something now for, um, for not economic gain only, but productivity and things. Well, now they draw not only from that little realm, but they draw from philosophy, they draw from, they, they draw and they cross over from, from the morality and the governance that were there. Well, they draw it, but without restraint. So now there, there, there's, there's nothing to stop anybody. And, and if you look at the things that are happening, you know, we, we as a, we've been infiltrated as a culture by, by what we hear and what we see and what we read and it is increasingly changing the mindset of a generation, of the generations that have been, but the generations that are to come. And, and, it, is, and it is absolutely of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and it is not of God. I'll just be honest, it is not of God. Not saying we can't use it, but the governance has been taken off of it. It is coming and, and there is fear among those that are in the industry. There's fear that there's so much, so little control. Friends, we don't know where, where this world is going. But let's just say, uh, and, and I, I could, we could present all these things and I could show you documentaries and you'd leave this room scared. But you know what? We have a source. We have a place that we can trust in. And, and, I, and I will say, you can, you can be, there, there's a whole group, they call them preppers, and they, have, they stockpile cans, they, they go live in the country, they say, we're not going to be, we're going to go off the grid, we're going to do this, and we'll be okay. But the Bible says, everyone, both rich and poor, young and old, everyone that his name is not written in the Lamb's book of life will take the mark of the beast. Hey, why are we here? Because we're under the voice of God. Now, I, I, I need to just take and, and get to where I want to get to. Um, and let me just finish this little part, and then, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go a little further. Now, he says, The harvest is the end of the world. The reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world, the Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather of his kingdom all things that offend and them that do iniquity. Uh, I'm not going to be able to read all of this right to where I want to get to. Let me just go a little further. I want to, I want to make this at least somewhat positive. In verse 42, And they shall cast them into the furnace of fire, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth, as the Son in the kingdom of their Father, who hath ears to hear, let them hear. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in the field, which a man hath found, and, take, and he hideth, and for joy thereof selleth all he had, and buys the field. I've got to stop there. I went a little too far. But all that dwell on the earth. Now, go with me just back for a moment to Revelations chapter 3. And I, I want to draw a little context out of this for today's service. Revelations chapter 3. Now this is, 
The sixth church age, I'm going to start reading in verse 8, the sixth church age, and Brother Branham would say that really the seventh is an extension of what the sixth was. So he says in verse 8, I know thy works, behold I have set before thee an open door and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I'll make them to come and worship before your feet, and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. And then he says, behold, I come quickly. So I, it means that time is, is running out. Uh, if I can also reference just a, a scripture in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 11, it would say, if I correlate that with, with what we read in in. Revelations, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I'd like to just speak on identification in the hour of temptation, and, and I, I, I pray that the Lord just give me a little bit of grace to, to take this in the, in the way that he would have. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just, again, say I'm just a little broad to start with, with the comments, but if I can, reading from the Church Age book, and this is in the resume of the ages, and I believe the Church Age book is not just history, but I believe it's an identification of Satan's working, it exposes him. And there's no other age that this was given to but our age. So it wasn't just so we could have history, but that we could be empowered. So it would say that there would be two vines that would grow side by side until the end of the ages when both come to maturity and both be harvested. And he'd make this statement, the false vine would not overcome and destroy the true vine, but then neither would the true vine be able to bring the false vine into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. So think about the spirit of iniquity, the power that is there, and, 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 and what, it would, what it would do. Now also, if I, if I just go a little bit further, and, and Brother Branham would say, the, the message to the angels in, in, in the church ages... It's a message to the age. And the age has in it the seed of truth and the seed of error, exactly as is set forth according to the parable of the wheat and the tares. The church ages is the field, and in it are wheat and tares. The false church has organized, humanized the government and the word, and fought the two Christians, tares always flourish mightier than wheat or any other cultivated plant. The tear church grew rapidly in the first age, 
but the wheat age was flourishing also. Now, if, if you just take where we just touched on briefly, in the first age, as the spirit of iniquity came in, and it was, it was manifest by the deeds of the Nicolaitans, and it would say how that first age, here was the purity of God that came down after the day of Pentecost. It, it exemplified itself in the apostles and the disciples, but very quickly it, it gained a little inroad. Now, just we're talking about the subtility of the devil, and, and he is the most subtle creature that there is. And the prophet would say, because they left their first love, now, there was something in their hearts. Just, just think about, you know, this is, this is the battle every one of us fight. Even the prophet, he would, he would say, you know, just when God came into his heart, it changed him, and he would talk about the experience he had, and he said how he ran down the railroad tracks, and he felt like a thousand pounds had lifted off of him. And he said, oh, it was so marvelous. It was real. It wasn't an intellectual change of mind. It was a reality. And then he would say right at the end of his ministry in what house will you build me? And he says, oh, for those experiences that I first had. And he says, how he longs to just be in that place again with God where there was a complete abandonment to God. Friends, I, I, I will say we need to have love, not just love, but fervent love for the truth. Because now to turn, to turn just from, you know, we're living really in an hour of judgment. And to turn now that a book has been opened and, and we're looking and seeing something, it, it takes the love of God and, 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 and it's love that's been expressed to us. And if love has been expressed to us, then it reciprocates back to the Lord. I love him because he first loved me. And, and if you turn from that love, now to turn from it, the days are so evil that the Bible would say, because they received not the love of the truth. You can receive the truth. But if it's not a love that's in your heart for the giver of that truth, it, it will cause you to go into a channel. Listen, there, there can be layers, even religious layers, and we can miss it. Brother Branham would say there'll be multitudes that will miss it. Right. I, I don't want to make this too, but I'm just saying I, I want to be, I, I believe that there are, are, are saints here that love the Lord. I, I see it. I see it in your lives. I see how you love the word. And I'm, I'm not saying it, but I'm just saying is the enemy is shrewd. And, and he, is, he is there to do all that he can. So Brother Branham would say of that age, they turned from God's demand of a church absolutely dependent on him. In other words, depending upon God to fulfill his word from start to finish apart from human government to Nicolaitanism, which is organizing a human government within the church, which are all governments do is they legislate for the people. Uh, have, you, have you noticed that? Just watch the news. Watch question period. Hey, the government is in everything. It says, that's exactly what Israel did. They took the expediency 
of human government instead of the Word and the Spirit. I, I don't ever want to get to a place where, hey, we're, we've got such an order and we got it down pat. I want to leave lots of room for him to take any one of our services any way he wants, to do anything he wants to do. Lord, deal with individuals. Deal with the minister. Deal with the deacons, the trustees. Don't let us stop. Deal with the gifts that are in, in, the, in there. Lord, make us what you want to be. I, I, I want him to have that liberty in our midst. And I, I believe he is, he is gaining that preeminence. Now, the hour of temptation, and in the Church Age book, and, and some of this is a little lengthy reading, but I'm not trying to do this, but he would talk how it's coming on all the earth, and I'm summarizing a little bit of this, but he said, I will keep thee from the hour of temptation. And now he says, the temptation will be just like it was in Eden. It will be a very inviting proposition held up in direct opposition to God's commanded word. And from the human standpoint of, uh, from the standpoint of human reasoning, it will be so right, so enlightening, so life-giving as to fool the world. Only the elect will not be deceived. Now, the world is being channeled or funneled. And I, I used AI, and, and I would just say the, the continual... Marketing that's there in social media, in, in the internet, and in games, and in, in the rhetoric that's there by politicians, and, and interest groups, and talking about agendas, and, and, and woke agendas, and all these things, it is pervading around us. It is infiltrating. You know, Brother Branham would talk about, uh, he'd, he'd, he'd say, uh, young men, young women, they're at the crossroads of life. He says, they are victims of circumstances. You know, and he would talk about how the mother was a chorus girl and then the next one became a flapper and, 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 and these are terms that have history, but every generation gets weaker but wiser. And, 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 and now it's infiltrated. I, I was with a, with a man and he's, He's a, a businessman, and we were just talking, and you know, and how he grew up, and 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 he just said, you know, he went to work, and 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 you know, you 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 got sick, you did things, but you powered through. You went, you just worked. You had something in you. But he says the generation today is not built the same way. I got so many sick days coming. I got a union rep. I got this. I got that. Listen, uh, what about just a commitment to what's right? That, that, I mean, that's, that's just what's, what's being in the world around us. And I, I'm not saying that Christians are actually the ones that really do work. Why? Because we do it unto the Lord, not as unto uh, a master that's there before us. No, I'm serving God. I, I, I wish I, and, and this is not the service today, but friends, I, I, I will say, if we can just catch a little bit of this, and Lord willing, I'll come to it, but... You know, you, you came to this earth, you were born on this earth, you live for a short period of time, you want to make it to eternity. But I'll say, you had a beginning before this ever started. And that has to identify and work itself out in you. And you have a place after this. Like, you know, it, it's, it's like you can say, well, it's the rapture or bust. But did you know you actually have a place beyond the rapture? 
Did you know that the character by with which you do things here, the way you are on your job, the way you are uh, handling things with people, the way you are uh, in, in, in church attendance and tithing and in different things, those are all reflections of what your place will be over there. You know, you, you, you might be naked, but there are rewards that are to be given. And there are rewards. There was one given five talents and two talents. And, 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 and the ones that fulfilled the gift that they were given. And, and to fulfill it, you need some character. And, and character is your molding. It's your shaping. It's your adoption. And the way you handle things reflects on what you will be given over there. So I'm saying this little space of time, the little bit of suffering you go through, these little bit of things, they, if you could recognize, they have a great eternal reward beyond. This, this, it's not just about, well, what do I have to do to make it? What do I have to do to avoid hell? No, there's something I've been born with. It's in me. It reflects in me. It shows in the way I handle things, in the way I do things. And I say, I'm learning that continually. We have a tutor called the Holy Spirit. That tutor is continually telling you, nudging you. Hey, you didn't say that quite right. Oh, no, but I got this gift. And I, I, no, it's how you handle the gift. A direct quote. It's not what you say. It's how you say it sometimes. It's not what you do. It's how you do it. Listen, that's the things the heavenly father watches for. And here's the prophet. He comes and he says, oh, this man with his doctrine, it's all tied. I could tie that guy up in knots and And then all of a sudden, whoa, sorry, I shouldn't have said that that way. Why? That's a man who is under the tutorship of the Holy Spirit. And so are we all. Listen, that was just a little brief, brief picture. There's a lot more to that. And the Lord willing will come to it. But if we could recognize, friends, what the enemy is trying to do, but if we can humble ourselves and say, you know, he's infiltrating here, he's doing this, he's doing that, and, and I, I, I don't want to just be a product of the age of the world around me, but I want to be a product of the word that is opening to me because greater is he that is in me. Greater is that which I see. I, I, I'm, and I, I'll just let the Lord lead this, but I, I've, I've reflected how often do we base our lives on uh, our correctness of, of what we've got to do that will be presented, and, and there's a part of that that's true. And, 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 and there was 10 spies that they, they were out of Egypt and they had left Egypt behind them. They'd gone through justification. They'd gone through sanctification. They were all baptized under the cloud. But when it came to looking ahead, to seeing something, they couldn't see themselves in that land. But there were two spies that could see themselves. They said, somewhere there, there's a mountain with my name on it. <laughs> 
Somewhere there, there's something with me. Listen, if you're born in this message, you're not just trying to escape hell. You're not just trying to make everything correct. But there's something in you that's burning and says, there is something on the other side that is greater. It's a far more exceeding thing than what's here right now. And I'll tell you, when you let that govern you, it'll take care of a lot of little things you're trying to fix here. Patch here, patch here. But when you've got that vision, then you see something. How could Abraham do what Lot couldn't do? Lot knew what some of the commandments were, but Abraham had something greater in his heart. And the Bible says, he endured as seeing him who was invisible. He had met the king. And because he met the king, he knew this little space of time, this means nothing compared to what's ahead for me. And I think there's, there's something that's rising in the bride right now that is pulling from another dimension, pulling from another place. It is not just about, oh, well, I got to do this and do that. Yeah, that'll happen. But I'll say you've got to be governed by something higher. The infiltration, the deceit of Satan. Never was he called a god of this age except in this last age. The number of messages Brother Branham would speak, God of this evil age, Satan's Eden. And he would say, the deceit of the enemy. He can quote the scripture. He's very religious. And he said, he's here today in deceit. And he said he was there in the days of Jesus. And he said he poisoned the minds of those Pharisees by deceit. Now let's, let's just say, right now, let's get this clear. I don't got the smarts. You don't got the smarts to defeat the devil. But the guy, the one who came and died for you, went to heaven, came back in, and lives in you, he is greater than anything the devil will throw. And he will wake you up when you need to be woken up. I, I, I marvel that, that even in the types of the Old Testament, here's Abraham, he would not take anything from the king of Sodom. You know, it, it looked like a good deal. Like, Hey, you helped us win the battle. Here, take all these roads. He said, I will not even take a shoe latchet. What was he doing? He was recognizing his inheritance. He was identifying with something beyond the temporal. And at the same time, here comes Melchizedek. And when Melchizedek comes, rather than asking what can I get from you? Abraham says, hang on a second. I've got something to give to you. And I'm going to give you a tenth of everything that I've been blessed with. Why? This is a two-way relationship. This is not just, what can I take? What can I get? What? No, this is, listen, we're intertwined with God. We, we, are not, we are not just here, just, okay, the ten steps to the rapture, step one. Step, no, this is about walking with him, talking with him, communing with him, having a relationship with him. I love him because he first loved me. 
It's greater. It's greater than what, what Paul was saying in Hebrews. The first covenant under the blood of bulls and goats. Do's and don'ts and don'ts. He says that had to disappear. There had to come another covenant. And under that other covenant, you had to see something. You had to identify with something. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. Oh, it's not written of my father, my mother, my family, my church. It's written of me. God saw me. And he placed something in my heart that responds like Abraham responded. That like, like Moses, when Moses could have been like the next Pharaoh of Egypt, he said, hold on a second. Those slaves are not mud daubers. They're the children of God. And I'm taking my place with them. Pharaoh, you can have your court. Hey, where did that come from? That's not taught. That's inside. That's something God puts inside of you. And I, I, I go back to just how God dealt with me coming out. There came a time and a season and I'll, I'll just say it, I could not walk with the friends I'd walked with anymore. I could not look and do the things I did anymore. It just came, no, it's time, <coughs> it's time to go. And, and, and it's time to go. Let me, let me read this. this, this was so beautiful to me in that season and in that time. I still remember where it is, second seal on the left-hand side of the page, third, second paragraph down, it's highlighted in there, but I'll just read it from my iPad. And he says, Heavenly Father, I sometimes stand here and it's, I tremble. I think of the awful hour that's approaching. There's no way to stop it. It's predicted it would come. Why don't the people come and listen? Why won't they accept it? You said they wouldn't, and they won't. And he says, but there is some that have got their names written on the Lamb's book of life. And when them seals are thrown open there, they see their name there, and the Holy Spirit speaks to them, and they come. You can't keep them away. Lo, in the volume of the book, it is written of me. So I see myself, and, and myself is not my will, not my purpose, not my job, not what I think, but it's to do your will. And Lord, you put me here to do your will. So he says, you can't keep them away. They're coming anyhow because you're leading them like you did, and he's talking about Noah's day, like you did those little birds and the sheep and the cattle. And thou art God. And he's talking about the earthquakes in India and saying how before the earthquake ever struck, the animals would move away from the stone walls and the buildings. Huh, that's so supernatural to me. If God can do that for an animal, what about you and I? Get away from that. Don't go into that. I say this. It's more urgent now than it's ever been before. There's no time to dilly-dally. You just say, well, I'll, I'll just drift in. But the current is strong now. And, and it's not just a little trickle. It's not just a little stream. But, you know, you get in the wrong channel or the wrong eddy or whatever they call it. He says, you, you go into that, and he says, you'll get swept up before you know it. Oh, I'll just, I'll be able to turn around. You know, I'll be able to come back. No, I'll tell you what, you don't got time for that. The least little nudge you feel from the Holy Spirit, take it. Let him infiltrate you. Let him, let him speak to you. 
I, I don't go to a tape and just say, oh, I've heard that. No, I want him to speak to me fresh. I want him to nudge me. I want him to lead me. He says, some instinct that those animals have, they must get away. And if instinct to an animal that warned him to flee from danger, what would the Holy Spirit do to a church that claims to be filled with it? Now, let me, let me just go back to where I was reading on the hour of temptation. And I'll say, this is coming. Listen, we have not felt according to the message and what I've read in the message. We have not, we, we're, we, feel, we feel pressure. The whole world feels pressure from economics, economic policies. The whole world feels pressure about rights and agendas and, 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 and it, it's infiltrated everything. But there's one aspect that has not come to our door yet and that's a religious pressure. Because it, it was going to be, listen, as, as we said last week, it was the dragon gave power to the beast. The beast gave power to the image of the beast. But all the while that's happening, there's another threefold that's happening. There is, there is the spirit, there is the prophet, and there is the bride. And they'll all be saying the same thing. And what the Spirit says will we'll come into the prophet. And what the prophet is will come into the bride. And she will be the final voice. So it's, it's, it's a threefold happening. And I'm not just pointing to one, but, but they're, all, they're all happening. And so he would say, he would say now, the temptation... It will become so strong politically that she bears pressure on the government to cause all to join with her directly or through adherence to principles enacted into law so that no people will be recognized as actual churches under the direct or indirect domination of this council. Little groups will lose their charters privileges, they'll lose all property and spiritual rights. And he, he goes on to talk about how in secular things, chaplains in armed services, hospitals, it's mandatory to be recognized. Listen, this is not far off. When I saw our government, our Canadian government, tell the chaplains in the armed forces that they couldn't use the Lord's Prayer anymore because it isn't rightful. And it's not all-inclusive. I'll tell you what, it's not that far away. When I watched in Australia, and there's, there's a faith-based school that was getting the government coming against them because they were hiring only faith-based teachers. And they said, it's not inclusive enough for you to hire. You need to be able to hire everyone. Let me just ask a quick question. How many Muslim schools have that pressure put on them? They don't. It's coming against the spirit of Christ in the bride. That's the spirit that's coming. It's, it's not far off. And I'm, I'm saying this, friends, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Get your lamps trimmed and clear. Have the oil. 
I, I don't know what that scene will unfold like. When the foolish come to the wise, give us of your oil. Say, no, no, we got just enough. I, I, I would say, are you scaring us, brother? And I'm not here to scare you. If, if I'm here, if I, if I am here, I'm, I'm just using a little bit of a prod to poke us. Because the spirit of Laodicea is one of slumber. Oh, it's a far off. It's, it's not a far off. Get in the channel. Get in the place where God can deal with you. He says now, these chaplains. Now as pressure increases. Now he says it will be mandatory. He says to be recognized as acceptable Trinitarian ecumenical groups. I, I, I don't see a way that we're going to fit that. I honestly don't. And he says, as pressure increases, and it will, it will be harder to resist, for to resist is to lose privilege. And many will be tempted to go along. They feel it's better to serve God publicly in the framework of organization than to serve God at all publicly, but they err. To believe the devil's lie is to serve Satan, even though you want to call him Jehovah, only the elect will not be deceived. Listen, there's a little bit more I just want to touch on. Furthermore, the elect will not only be kept, but as this move becomes the image erected to the beast, the saints will be gone in the rapture. And this little delightful, winsome movement that started out in fellowship at Ephesus will become the monster of Satan that defiles and deceives the whole world. The church system of the Roman Catholic and the Protestant coming together will control the wealth of the world system and force the whole earth into a religious trap to kill them by refusing them the privilege of buying and selling whereby they would make a living. This will be accomplished when the harlot's daughters who are all but gone come back to her. What are the harlot's daughters? Denominations. Now, I'm, I'm saying this, and it actually brings the Jews into here. It says the harlot will destroy the present-day money system by calling in. Listen, never have there been so many red flags. Cryptocurrency, digital currencies, all these things. It, it, is, it is just setting up. Listen, it's, it's what Brother Branham would refer to as the great machine. And he says, the machine is setting. It's just waiting for the dynamics. Now, the world will receive their Superman. They will receive the, the fourth horse rider. That will be, that, that rider takes his ride, and, and it's coming together. But parallel to that is, is, a, is a people. Now, I, I brought this all, and I probably spent more time on it than I wanted to, but I want to now take this just in another direction because that's, that's all negative, but it's true. And it's true. It's very, very true. I also believe it's very true what we, the quotation we read on Wednesday, where God will take a people and he'll adopt them. And their word will be just as good as his word. And it'll be a short time. But what they say, that will come to pass. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this because this, this, just go back with me, if you will, for a moment to... Genesis chapter 1, I didn't give you this scripture, Brother Dan, but just Genesis chapter 3, rather. And I'm going to just take an aspect of this 
just as if I can for a little bit. Genesis 3. Now, we know that there's Adam and Eve, God's son and his wife, and now they fall. The serpent had wormed his way into it. And the, the devil pronounced, or God pronounces judgment on the serpent. He says, you're cursed, you'll go on your belly, you'll eat dust, and I'll put enmity between thee and the woman. Now, he says this in verse 16 to the woman. And unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Now, I'm just going to focus on this word for a little bit, and thy desire. So, it, it, it's one thing for, and, and I'll say this, a woman is a type naturally and spiritually. It's one thing for a woman to be in line with this thinking that the man is the head and the woman is subject to the head. But that also applies to Christ and the church. And, and we always need to remember, He is our Lord. And, and our desire is unto Him. So, so he's talking about that, that's something that came. Up till this point, they were co-equal. They were co-equal. And, and this, is, this is an attribute of the fall. Now, her desire would be to her husband. Now, go with me to Genesis chapter 4. And this is when the, the twins, Cain and Abel, were manifest. And their characteristics became manifest also very quickly, and it reflected in their offerings. And Abel's offering, though it was ugly, though it was bloody, it reflected the revelation that God had given Abel. Cain was void of this, and he did it intellectually. He brought an offering that was beautiful, and he brought it this way, but then he wasn't accepted, and he got angry. And the Lord says to him, why are you wroth? This is in verse 6. Where is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Now, here is a product of the fall. Is a, a product of the fall is sin looks beautiful. It's something to be desired. But the antidote was Isaiah 53. In him was no beauty to be desired. But yet sin looks attractive. Sin looks appealing. And that's where the enemy plays and has his deceit is in, in desire. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just give some broad overalls here. Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden they had a right to the tree of life which was typed as Christ. They had a right, but they never came to that. And so the cherubims that were there, that, that ushered them out of Eden, these cherubims, these angelic beings, they blocked the way back. They would not allow them to enter into that place where everything would be available to them. And so now here is here is. Eve, she says, your desire, he says, your desire will be this. And then he says to Adam, he says, the earth will be cursed because of you. He didn't curse Adam. 
He, conser- he cursed his inheritance. He cursed that which he had a right to, but he, he, he couldn't obtain the same way. He says, now you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna work through it with, with sweat and sorrow and all of these other things. But here, the way was blocked. So this was now, God at that time though, he wanted to uh, make a way for them. But it was going to be a plan of redemption. So God showed his desire, his willingness to extend his hand to them when he killed an animal and he gave them bloody coats and he says, uh, I, I'm going to clothe you with something. And, 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 and it was God that did that. And it was God that was exemplified in Adam and taking Eve to his side. Now, the world that lived in the Old Testament... They saw an angry God, the God on the mountain, the God of thunder, the God of fear, the God, and, and it was never, it was never that we we're almost good enough to get back to God where God was. And, 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 and really, I had recently looked again at the Martin Luther film that was there, it's the, the, the older one, and, and what the world was so steeped in at the time of Martin Luther is all that that Catholicism, that system had done to that point is portrayed an angry God. And as a result of an angry God, there wasn't just hell, but there was purgatory. And there was all of this, and there was, there was all, and it was a God of judgment, and it was a God of fear, and it was a God of this, when in reality, the way had already been opened. And God's love, now, just to get a little pinhole into that, Luther was just a little pinhole to, to start to break that system. And he reads Romans chapter 5 and he says, the just shall live by faith. And he, and he says, the love of God. And he began to express it. What was it? It was just an entrance that was being opened there. Now the Bible says an entrance will be ministered. Let me, let me go back to this, this thought of, of the desire. Because they would offer their sacrifice in the Old Testament and their desire was still sinful. It wouldn't change. Okay, listen, let me, let me jump ahead. Brother Branham will ask in this day, and he'll say, listen, and the devil will deceive us because in our flesh we're still not redeemed. Do you, sometimes you find yourself desiring, hey, worldly things or something. It'll, it'll prop up. It'll come through the channel of imagination. It'll come through reason. It'll come through all of these things. But even if the devil should get advantage, there's also something that comes up and says, Lord, I didn't want that. I didn't want to do that. Where did that come from? It was always there. Now, now, God will take in the Old Testament and bring certain types and bring certain things, but one of the ones he brings was Jacob, and Jacob really is uh, exemplifying grace. There was the four patriarchs, Abraham, which was faith, and Isaac, which was love, Jacob, which was grace, and Joseph, which was perfection, but here's Jacob that was grace, and before Jacob was even born, God loved him. So the love that was expressed to him was then told to Rebecca. And Rebecca says, there's two twins. They're, they're in your womb. The elder shall serve the younger. So it was already done. And, and Rebecca began to act on that. And, and now here's Jacob. And Jacob comes. And, and, and he, he, he's in this tremendous war between the flesh. But inside of him is something that Esau doesn't have. And he has a desire for the things of God. And he doesn't know where that desire came from. 
And friends, that seed was always in you. You longed for something. You were a child. It was there in the beginning. You wanted to come to God. You wanted to know a God. Where did it come from? God put it there. Now I'm saying is, here's Jacob. He's, he's got his whole life is in deceit. He deceived his brother. He deceived Laban. And Laban deceived him. The two were made for each other. Hey, somebody's complaining about their employer. Hey, just, just back up a sec. Step back. He says, maybe the employer's complaining about you. Maybe you're made for each other. Maybe it's God working something out. <laughs> hey, all authorities come from God. All the powers come from God. The king's heart is in God's hand. He can cause him to look on you favorably. He can cause him to look on you negatively. Hey, before you get angry with him, just say, Lord, are you speaking to me? My boss frowned at me. My boss reprimanded Are you speaking to me, Lord? Yeah, God's in all these things. So, hey, here's, here's, here's Jacob. And he, he doesn't know why, but he cannot do what Esau did. He can't go and marry a Canaanite. Listen, Esau didn't have that. What was God working on? That little seed, that little desire that was there before the foundation of the world. Now let me, let me back up and just read quickly from the adoption. I'm just going to put it this way. When were our names put on the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world? Now you could read all of this. Brother Brandon would talk. Predestination looks back to foreknowledge. I mean, predestination looks back to election. Election looks back to foreknowledge. And predestination looks to destiny. So, listen, that, that's where I go back to. You, you got to see something beyond where you started from. And you got to see something beyond where you're going to end from. Because there's a destiny for the bride. What's happening? The trials of my life are for my molding because there's a place for me and a land over there. And it's not just a place that, hey, it's just bliss and I play a harp. That's not what it is. You actually have, the Bible will say, Ask the heathen for your inheritance. You will actually have a place over there to reign, to rule, to do things. Ah, it's, it's more, more to that. But anyway, he says, now he says, here I came to the world speaking lies. My whole family were sinners. I was a cockabur. All of a sudden, I became a wheat grain. How did that happen? He says, I look back and I see he predestinated it to it. Now, here's, here's the part that I wanted to get to. The infinite God who knew all things put your name on the Lamb's book of life. He saw the deceitfulness of Satan, what he would do, so he put your name there. Now, when the seals are open, do you actually see your name? You, you don't so much see your name as you see the characteristics that are already a part of you. I, I'm identifying with something over there. I, 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 but it, because your name, actually, there's a meaning to your name. There's characteristics to your name. And there's an identification when that's open to you. So now here, here he says this. He saw the deceitfulness of Satan. And so he put your name there. L like, I look at what the devil has done in this last day. There are layers 
that we were muddled up in. There are layers that he can even try to put on us. There, there is clouds of unbelief and there's, there's this and, and we already have it worked out in our mind. Well, yeah, listen, even if God would help me, I'll barely make. No, that's the devil. There's a God who's greater than all of these things. Greater than what I was. And he's trying to get you this secret, this mystery. And how does it reflect on you? You hunger. You thirst. Oh, I need God. I need a real God. Why do you hunger? Why do you thirst, church? It's the Father trying to get this mystery to you. And so he says now, he's seen the deceitfulness, so he put your name there. I'm going to take this a step further. This is in the message identification. He came to redeem those that were in God's thinking at the beginning. Now, the stature, what you were, which was God projected to the earth in the form of man, that's the one. These other things are just makeup parts. But he says, if your name is in the Lamb's book of life, you was an expression from his thought. Now listen to this. He's seen you, and he's seen your desire. Oh, he knew that I would love him. He created that in me. And he knew when the book is open, I would see it in there, and I would not run and hide like Adam did, but I would come. I would come to him. Oh, friends, when we see, you know, the prophet in the prayer line, and he's coming, and there's people, and, and, and here there's clouds of unbelief and doubt, and, and there's muddled up, and the prophet goes down into their lives, and he goes and says, oh, as a child, that happened. What, 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 what's coming to them? Grace is being projected. Love is, rather, love is being projected. And when love is being projected, when you can catch the love of God, friends, sovereign grace takes over. Sovereign grace says, oh, he does love me. He doesn't hate me. He's always loved me. I'll come to him because he's my Lord. That's when he is moving, friends. And that isn't just a one-time thing. That can be in your situation. That can be in anything you have. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this. This was, this was so powerful to me when I, when I came across this. But this was, you know, Brother Branham would talk. He's in a meeting in 1964, and he says, we're desiring his appearing. And he's come in these meetings to release your desires that you have in him to you. <laughs> this hunger. <laughs> I just, just I don't know where it come from. He's coming to open that up to you. That you can actually see yourself. There is hope for me. There is a place for me. Oh, if you can ever get that to someone. You know, the prophet was a, you know, a man that was tuned with God. Here he meets this old farmer and he's hunting in the field and this farmer didn't have a very good view, you know, of, I think it's, his, it was uh, the brother that he was with, and he says, you got so low down, you had to take a preacher hunting with you. And he says, 
Oh, man. He says, yeah, well, go ahead and hunt. And, and, then, and then he says, but there was one preacher. He had some kind of thing here. And he just says that. And Brother Bram took that little window. And he says, listen, if you can tell me how that tree is dropping these apples in August before the fall has ever come, I will tell you what told me about that woman in that meeting. You're that man? Yeah, I'm that man. And he said he led that man to Christ. What did he need? He needed to see a living God. Friends, the world is dying to see a living God. Don't get caught up in the rhetoric. Oh, you've got to see serpent seed. And then you've got to see the seven churches. No, just get them to Christ. That part of him. Listen, be open with your children. Let them, let that something that's in them come out. Don't squelch it. But let it come out. Listen, here's, here's the part I'm going to read. Now, let me just read one and then I'll read another one. He's in a prayer line. You're conscious there's something humble, sweet around you. That's the angel of the Lord that's on this picture. Now, he's all around you. He may reveal something for you, but he's trying to help you to believe him. Oh, he's not here to condemn you. He's trying to help you to know that he's living. He loves you. What would that mean to someone? Instead of just saying, beating them over the head, until you line up, you're getting nothing. What about just saying, forget about all of that. Here's a part that you have. God has it for you. Come a little higher. Oh, friends, it's a, it's a higher order. It's a higher order. And he says, now as I move away, uh, it's your lack of spirituality. She wasn't really even that much of a Christian. But he said, you're seeking and wanting something, and I see you as a little girl You've always desired a closer walk than you ever had. <sighs> he says, I'm not reading your mind. I see you as a younger person. Your life is open and beset for me. And he just, there's, there's so much to this. There's something wrong with your blood. It's the arteries. It's kind of an arthritis. And then I see you took a fall and it upset you. And you've, you've not just felt right. But there's something here that knows you. Do you believe it's the resurrected Christ? These shines shall follow you. My beloved sister, in the name of Jesus Christ, will you receive it? Oh, I see lights around you. You're healed. You can go on the road rejoicing. God bless you, sister. Do you believe? Oh, friends, that's the God that is still here today. And you can hold him in your heart. You can take him in your prayer life. Listen, it's about creating an atmosphere for him to come. You create that atmosphere in the way you talk, in your attitude to people, in the way you reflect yourself. That is creative. That is saving power. That is the salt of the earth. That is the God that William Bradham served. That God is still here today. Now, 
Brother Branham goes to an insane institution. And there's a woman there, a nice woman. And he starts talking to her. And he says, welcome. He says, oh, are you visiting here? No, I'm here. Oh, no, you couldn't be here. Yeah. So naturally, he saw nothing. Brother Bram starts talking to her. And all of a sudden, she starts weeping. And she says, I'm going to tell you something. I was raised in a Christian home. My father was a Baptist preacher. And he told me, and then she told me about her marriage. A boy that drank, and she had two daughters then. They were married and had children. They were all Christians, but they took a wrong, a wrong road. And she said, I guess I'm finished. Brother says, no, as long as you've got life, you got hope. Because the blood of the Lord Jesus has this world encircled. And God can't see your sins. But someday when your life passes beyond that circle of blood, then you'll have already judged yourself. And then he says, now, let me, let me just go. He's saying, she's sitting there, and her name is Margaret. She's in a terrible condition. And he says, do you remember me, Margaret? She says, no. You used to call me Billy. Now, I, I actually brought these two together. but This is a separate one. I'll give you these if anybody wants them. He says, you were just a little bitty girl the last time I saw you. Do you. Don't you remember me? And then, this is just about like the woman at the well. Now, he, Jesus, he went all the way out of Israel to go to the well of Sychar to see this woman, which was in Samaria. He wasn't going there to condemn her about her life. He was coming to tell her, you've got representation. It's always been there, but it's got to be open to you. Now he says, and as this woman is there, and she's, don't you remember? And she said, oh. And her eyes started to open. And I thought, oh God. And I said, this girl's sitting there, and there was somebody else in another bed. And I kept thinking, Lord, would you have me say something? Will you say something? And I said, don't you remember me, Margaret? And she kept on looking at me. She couldn't make out nothing. And, and somebody said, Brother Bram, she only keeps talking about is the blood and on the highway. And she says funny things. How long has this been going on? Two years. And I kept talking to her. And then he says, oh, but the grace of God. The Holy Spirit began to move in. Margaret, you don't know me, but all your life since you've been big enough to know about boys. Now watch where he goes. All since you've been big enough to know boys, you always had in your mind that you wanted to marry a preacher. You wanted to marry a preacher. Now, here she's all muddled up. Somebody put a drink in her and she got into a relationship. But this was her desire from the beginning. And so the prophet goes, he says, and she started to smile. That caught it. 
And I said, and the Holy Spirit had it, and I said, thus saith the Lord, it's over. The devil used that little thing, and from that just began to pervert, pervert. But God wormed his way back right in, and he showed her, no, this state that you're in, it's not forever. God knows your beginning. He knows your end. There's more to this whole story of Margaret. It's It's amazing. I, I, why am I saying this all, Brother Ed? I'm saying it. How often does the devil get us like just so beat up? Hey, I wouldn't preach this if it didn't happen to me. How often does he get us beat up and we think there's only one way out of this? Ah, uh, uh, if I could only do it. Uh, you know, no, he's already done it. He knows your desire. You are trapped into it. And you can come to the Lord and say, Lord, and you know what it takes? Listen, friends, it just takes a little honesty. Be honest. Sometimes we just deceive ourselves in prayer. Lord, you know I've gone to church all week. You know I've done this. Just come and tell him, say, Lord, in my heart I feel empty. In my heart I feel this. And you know what? Watch, start with that and watch him move in. And say, Lord, I want to serve you. The way I'm living right now, I don't feel like it's right. But there's this desire, Lord. (sighs) Listen, that desire could only come because Jesus came. And when he came, he, he first of all abolished sin once and forever. You don't have to pay for it. He's paid for it. Yeah, you confess it. But the minute you confess it honestly, sincerely, the blood is speaking for you. It's no longer you. And now you can take that and say, Lord, it's always been my desire for this. Lord, you put that there. You place that there. One, listen, one little, the devil can come and use one little thing. God can use one little thing. One little word. You can look it up. Her name is Mrs. Weber. She's in a hospital bed. She's dying with cancer. Looks like she's not going to live. Brother Branham had prayed for her. And, and the ladies in the room are making fun of her. And he says, I won't stand for that. Brother Branham is a man of God. And the Bible says... And the quotes say, Brother Bram said, the angel of the Lord heard that, and he heard that, and began to move upon her, and she was healed. What is it, friends? Just your desire, not, not, not your fleshly desire. What, and, and, and the prophets say, just check your motive. What are you hungering for? What are you fighting for? I'll say this. There's a desire that's rising in the bride. It's, it's, it becomes us to fulfill righteousness. I'm not content just coming to church and showing up, but I want to love the Lord. I want to fulfill my purpose. Under the adoption, you may never be a preacher, but he said you'll be a housewife, you'll be a farmer, you'll be, a, you'll be exactly what God put in your heart to be. I, I believe we need to just say, and as the prophet would say in the token message, how do I know I've got it? He said, What were your desires before, and what are they after? 
Because the desires were contained in that little seed germ. And they were brought to you by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you had a word associated with your inheritance. And when you heard that word, you said, that's me. I will take that part. Oh, I love it, friends. It's getting bigger all the time. The message is growing. It's, it's not just, uh, I, oh, well, the rapture will come one day. No, I've got a land over on the other side. My name is written over there. How do you know? It's tugging. I feel it all the time. It is not stopping. It is moving me. And when I see that, I'll tell you what, it's a lot easier to put off things here. This is so temporal. That is eternal. Oh, I feel the pull. I feel something greater moving me. Let's have the musicians come. I think I've, I've made the point this morning. There's more I could do, but it's another service. I feel that. Do you feel that this morning? Listen, that desire, where did it come from? It was always a part of you. I, I trust you can see it before the foundation of the world, and it's bringing you to the other side. Oh, it's real. It's so much more real than just figuring it out in your head. Listen, you can figure it out in your head, but what's your heart telling you this morning? Where's that, where's that pulling you this morning? I need more of God. Well, then say, there's more of God for me. Why? The very reason you feel that hunger is God's trying to get it to you. You say, oh, I long for, for deliverance for a situation. Well, if you long for it, it's there for you this morning. And if you want somebody in, then I believe that's your desire. God gave you that in the scripture too. Believe on the Lord and thy, and thy house will be saved. Listen, the very reason, the very reason Satan can't get some of our loved ones is because we're here. And we are standing in God's stead. And as long as we're standing here, the devil cannot come through us. Why? We are the force on earth. There's an image coming, but there's also an image that's here right now. And that same God lives in her. Let's stand together. He's here. Elijah's God is here. He's here. Elijah's God is in us today. He's here to will and do whatever we say. Behold, the bride of Christ in full array. He's here. Elijah's God is here. God is in us today. He's here to will and do whatever we say. 